0: Food is about people and places and moments in time. This is a Chef DeMoney Snapshot with your host, Graham McLennan. Hello from a very comfy Airbnb in Sevilla. It is a beautiful sunny day out there, and I'm just thinking about stepping out to go in search of some breakfast pastries. But before doing that, I do want to tell you about some recent wonderful food experiences. I'm Graham, incidentally, and thank you for joining me here for Chefdemoni. This is my podcast about food, and today is a quick, a really quick snapshot of Southern Spain. And what an impossible task, right? I make absolutely no claim to capture a region or anything close to it in the few minutes that we will share together today. Southern Spain is just where I happen to be right now, And I'm just going to tell you about a couple of great meals I've had here because to me They represent much of what is beautiful about this area. Okay, where to start? Well First, let's start with place names. I opened this episode by telling you that I'm in Sevilla Should I have said Seville? That would have been my more natural inclination but lately I've been hearing Sevilla a lot more than Seville so I went with that now, remember last week when I said that Chefdemoni is not a points and miles podcast? Well, Chefdemoni is not a language podcast either, but perhaps you can direct me to one that addresses this question. What is the etiquette, or is there an etiquette, for pronouncing place names? I think I might raise eyebrows if I were to say Marbella instead of Marbella, for example, right? But, but why do we feel the need to pronounce some place names within the language of the place and others not? Take France as an example, again, I think I would raise eyebrows if I said Lion instead of Lyon, or Nice instead of Nice. But nobody bats an eye when I say Paris and not Paris, or for that matter France and not France. Milan, Milano, Rome, Roma, Tuscany, Florence, Naples, Venice, the same seems to be happening in... Italia. Anyway, that's well beyond the bounds of this humble food podcast. but. I am curious about the point, so if you can direct me to some reading or some listening where I can learn more, please do. All right, to the food now, and back to southern Spain. We left Barcelona a few days ago. Have a listen to the recent snack episode or thoughts on meals in that city. Short answer, they were really good. From Barcelona, we flew to Malaga, which was much more beautiful than I was expecting. It's a fantastic or has a fantastic old town, some beautiful narrow streets, lots of shops, bustling tapas bars, beautiful weather, lots to recommend it. And in Malaga we had some brilliant tapas, mostly brilliant tapas was what we ate really. One place in particular that I loved was Cortijo de Pepe. Now, Spanish speakers, please forgive me. I am just wading in here with pronunciation. This is a small tapas bar. It's jammed with people and energy, and the bar seats are fantastic. For cooks and chefs, you'll enjoy seeing their mise en place at the bar, protected by a glass cover that runs almost the full length of that bar. And behind that bar is a very simple wood-fired grill made of brick, and onto that grill go all sorts of delicious things. Principally for us, that was octopus and sausage. Everything is prepped really well, so service is just flash grill and then serve. That would be the sausage and the octopus. Cooked snails in tomato sauce are just waiting to go into a pan for a quick flash and then into your dish to slurp up with bread. It's magnificent. Our one fancier meal in Malaga was at El Maison de Cervantes, and the standout dish there honestly was the veggie dish. This was porcini, or sep, or boletas, whatever you wish to call them, mushrooms, and they were served with grilled artichoke and asparagus. And that was really good. It was simple, hot, and delicious. From Malaga, my wife B and I said goodbye to our very good friend Stu, who had been in town for a few days, and we picked up a rental car and headed for the coast. <laughs> the drive, came with the usual anxiety for me of driving in incredibly narrow streets and narrow parkades and narrow alleys and narrow everywhere in Europe, it seems. (laughs) We stopped at Marbella very briefly. Now, I did not give it anything like a fair chance, but it was not my favorite spot. It could be for many, particularly if you like the beach. I do not like the beach. So we had a serviceable lunch overlooking the beach and then we returned to the car for the drive south and west to cadiz 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 i'm gonna go with cadiz now cadiz is interesting one of the oldest continuously inhabited cities in europe we had heard mixed reviews i'll say before we went including one that commented that it was a bit dirty and while it wasn't as polished or as marble e as uh, malaga it was fantastic we We only stayed one night, but that night was November 1st, which I learned is All Saints Day, the day after Halloween. We learned that because we wondered what the hell this marching band was doing, parading through the already very narrow, very crowded streets. So Google sorted us out, and this was a wonderful festival. Candles, candles, big candles on the streets, and a brass band with enthusiastic drummers following along behind those candles. We watched the band move very slowly through the streets in the late afternoon and then we went for a walk along the seawall at sunset, which was spectacular, it's probably worth a visit on its own, the sunset. And then we returned to those crowded narrow streets after dark to find the band still at it. I've played a lot of parades over a lot of miles. I grew up playing the bagpipes and I've marched in parades everywhere from Thunder Bay, to Toronto, to New Orleans, and I have a lot of respect for the musicians and for the candle bearers that we saw in Cadiz. In any case, the food. After we had seen the band yet again, and crammed into an intersection to watch them go past, we ducked into a tapas bar that was just there. It looked nice at all, it was cheerily lit, and it was full but not packed, but really we chose it because it was there. And it was a lucky choice it was crowded enough that the best seats available weren't seats at all but just enough space for the two of us to stand at an open window that had an obligingly wide sill that made the perfect tabletop for beer and snacks my wife speaks pretty good spanish so she did the most of the chatting with the bartender who was one of the most high energy friendly loud, straight out of central casting for a boisterous tapas bar bartender that I have ever seen. I mean to say, she was awesome. She would occasionally catch my eye and yell questions at me in Spanish. And I inferred she was asking if I wanted another beer, yes, or she was asking my opinion on the food. So I did my best to smile and sputter out a few words. And she greeted those with mock anger and more yelling. (laughs) And to set the scene, There were some lovely people seated at the bar between us and this fiery bartender. So my sputtered words and her teasing, very loud shouts passed directly through these long-suffering folks. It was quite hilarious. All we had was beer and a couple of types of cheese, manchego, of course, plus something translated somewhat ominously as old cheese, and a few slices of a chorizo salami. All of that was perfectly fine but it was really tasty actually, but but it was the human interaction that was the most memorable. Those poor folks between us and the bartender, turns out they were ready to chat as well, and one of them spoke a little English, and when we told him that we are Canadian, he excitedly started pointing to Montreal, Toronto, Calgary on an imaginary map. He then took two little squares of bread and he scooped onto each, a spoonful of the fish pate he had ordered, explaining to us that it was made with a local white fish, the name of which I've already forgotten. And he handed those bread squares directly to us across the aisle that separated his group's seats at the bar from our little perch at the windowsill. These were delicious too, and and what an experience. Sharing an hour or two with such boisterous, warm-hearted people, it was just, it was great. I never even saw the name of the restaurant, but keep an eye out for warm orange walls on the outside, and you may see me resting my elbow in a beer on an open windowsill as you walk along the streets of Cadiz. Join me if you do. Alright, and on to Sevilla. So much great food here, again, more tapas. So much delicious tapas. So, So many delicious tapas. Anyway, two places I will tell you about here. One is a takeaway empanada joint that we discovered called Empanada Malvón. They look to be a chain with locations all across Spain uh, doing Argentinian empanadas. Uh, It's takeaway or eat-in standing up only. The empanadas are quick, they're hot, they're so tasty. I've been having a jamón y queso, a ham and cheese, and a carne picante pretty much every day that we've been here in Sevilla. They're wonderful to grab and go. So that's one place. And the second place is where we had dinner last night. So following on the Michelin Guide Awards in Vancouver, I checked out the guide here for Sevilla and we picked a restaurant called El Disparate. No star, just recommended in the guide. And it was really, really good. Our server was a fellow named Danny and I thought he was really great. The only times he ever even hesitated when speaking to us was when he was reminding himself which language to speak flawlessly to us. We heard him conversing with tables in Spanish, in French, and in English with equal aplomb. He may well speak other languages too, I suspect he does. One more thought on service before I get to the food. Over the years, I have often advocated here on Chef Timoney for being a regular at a restaurant. I still absolutely think that's a good strategy one that benefits both the restaurant and and you the diner but today i'm going to speak up for experiencing a professional experience purely as a one-off customer and the reason our one-off experience was so good at el disparate really comes down to danny our server he was friendly attentive he was completely unstuffy and genuinely seemed interested in making sure that we uh that we made good choices and that we had a good experience We watched him with other tables and he was doing the same with them too so we weren't special in any way it's it's a service experience that i don't have often at least not often outside of places where i'm a regular and it was definitely enjoyable we wondered for a moment whether this was a function of being in europe which does seem to have better long-term options for servers as careers and that might be a factor but I think we were just lucky to be sitting in Danny's section, actually. In any event, the food. If you have been looking at Chef Demoni's stories on Instagram, you will have seen all of these dishes. I'll just pick out a few highlights. Primarily seafood. We had red prawn carpaccio with the prawn cold against the plate, but with some warm grilled Iberico pork on top, which I thought would have been an odd combination, but it wasn't. It was uh, It was really tasty. That was served with some sautéed, black trumpet mushrooms. Really, really good. Scallops from from Normandy, those were served whole just out of the shell on a potato cream that I suspect was more cream than potato. And that was highlighted by mushroomy accents, which is to say a puree of black truffle and some mushroom duxelle. Again, really good. It was rich, but really, really tasty. We only had one uh, scallop each, and that was definitely sufficient. And some stripey shrimps from where we had just been in Cadiz. Super simply prepared, basically salted and grilled, and we ate those with our hands. They were fantastic. And cockles, white wine, garlic, steamed, served with a bit of bread for slopping up the uh, olive oil and the garlic and the white wine. How perfect was that? This dish, of course, had me humming the tune, Molly Malone, Cockles and mussels Alive, Alive, oh. Sinead O'Connor has done a version of that song that is really worth your time. It's it's on a record of trad songs that she put out in 2002. I'll put a link in the show notes if you would like to check that out. We finished this great meal with a brownie, civilian orange and chocolate flavors in the brownie. I didn't need it, but I did enjoy it. And I had it with a sherry. How could I not? El Disparate and Danny, thank you for a great experience. It really was a wonderful dinner. Okay. I am now off to enjoy our last day in Sevilla. We fly to Porto tomorrow for just a few days in Portugal before returning to the reality of work and winter back home. Thank you, as always, for joining me here. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a food-loving friend about Chef Chefdemoni. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. I will be in touch again. That is all for now. I'm Graham McLennan. See you next time right here on Chefdemonio.